This week, our continued conversation with Jennifer Ogunyemi takes a different direction. Away from business talk and towards hearing her life story about abandonment and homelessness at 16 years old, being rejected by her family and living in hostels through to finding strength and positivity in Islam, which became her lifeline and helped her become the successful businesswoman she is today. It's a story which we believe is an incredible example of how people can deal with extreme adversity and use it as a basis to flourish, both personally and professionally. The kind of perspective we all need from time to time to keep ourselves in check. Welcome to Survival Through Faith. So can I go back a stage? Mm-hmm. Were you, you were obviously not born Muslim. No. Did you have a faith when you were born? I was a Christian. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what led to the conversion? Homelessness. Going to my congregation and asking them for help and being shunned. No way. Yeah. As a Christian? As a Christian. So you were born Christian, grew up, went to the church, went for help when you were in trouble, yeah. and they said no. And they said no. There's nothing we can do to help you. And so where did you then go? I then went to someone that was practicing the Buddhist faith. Yeah. I had a conversation with them. And they were like, you know, you're a bit too wild to be... <laughs> so you felt <laughs> you were searching this. for something. Oh, you You weren't just going to... Leave Christianity in. No, I was definitely searching for something to belong to because I was homeless. I I didn't have any belongings. I didn't belong to anyone at that moment. So when I was searching... How old were you? 16. When I was kicked out, I was 16. So you were searching for a family? I think I was searching for grounding. I was searching to place roots somewhere. Have boundaries. Have somewhere you belong. Exactly. And I think... Coming from a home where mum's always there and she's working and I'm the oldest of um, five siblings. So mum's working, had a stepdad who provided us stability in what a family unit should look like. Looking after my siblings, going to school, doing GCSEs, Mm. all of that was stability to me. All of that was normal. And bear in mind that where I grew up was in Essex. So it was very much, you know, everybody had the same stability around us. So when I was kicked out at 16, it just ripped a part out of me that I just couldn't get back unless I was back in with a family unit. And that was what was difficult because I saw the churches that I grew up in church. Mm. I had identified with the people in church. I knew them very well. They, they became a second family. But then to go back to them and for them to say, well, actually, no, there is nothing we can do because you was kicked out. And so it must have been that something that you done wrong for you to be in that position. It really made me see them with all due respect. They were hypocrites at that time. In that moment, they were hypocrites to me. Was that true what they said in the end? Or no, it had nothing to do with you? What was true? Your actions, as in no, how it wasn't they... True. Thought, okay. It wasn't true. Look, I think when I describe my story and when I talk about my story... There was definitely a moment in time where I could have acted better and I could have made But you were 16, but I was you were 16. a child. And by the way, it wasn't pregnancy. It wasn't anything <laughs> crazy like that. But it was something that my mum took to heart. I remember begging her for weeks and nights and crying, crying to her, like, please let me back. And she was like, no, you're not coming back. So I was on, I was homeless for a very long time, sleeping in dorms, my friend's dorms, sleeping on sofas, sleeping in cars. And then I remember being on the bus, I used to do bus rides up and down, 
just to, you know, waste time and not really having anything. Somewhere warm. Yeah. And I was in tears this day. I was completely broken. I was in tears. I was like, this cannot go on. Council can't help me because I'm not pregnant, don't have a baby. I'm not priority. The local shelters or whatever, they can't help me because I'm 16 and I need to have some sort of, you know, parental responsibility or authority to come in. I was completely broken. I had no money. I didn't have a penny. I wasn't eating. I wasn't doing anything. And then I was on the bus and I was, like I said, I was completely broken. I was crying. And I saw this lady on the bus and she had a book and I didn't know what book it was. I just saw her reading a book. She wore hijab. So I knew that, you know, she was Muslim. And I just went up to her and I said, can you help me? Because I don't know what else I can do. She said, yeah, sure. You know, take this book, have a read of it and let me know what you think. It was just a book about Islam, just the basics, you know, what it is, why people follow this religion, what it will mean to you when you do decide to follow this religion. This book became such a pivotal part of my journey. I remember opening this book every single time and there'll be tears dropping on pages. The book became so soaked with tears. I promise you, the pages were stuck together. And I just remember just reading this book over and over and over again and just somewhat praying to God, like, just guide me that I just need help because this cannot go on. Got to 17. I think the local council got a whiff that I was going around and a lady called me and she said, from 16 plus services, and she said, you know what? We heard what's going on. I explained to them the situation. They gave me a hostel. Oh, and, thank goodness. And by that point, I was like, I don't really care where I am. As long as I've got a roof over my head and I'm able to have somewhere warm, that's fine. And I said to You them, weren't attending school, obviously. School had finished. Okay. So GCSEs were over. Yeah. College, I started to miss college quite a lot because yeah. of the you situation. Yeah. And so she gave me this hostel, but this hostel had people suffering from mental health in it. So I remember there was upstairs a guy that was suffering from schizophrenia. I had another girl upstairs. Terrifying. Absolutely. Terrifying. I thought it was two people living upstairs until one day I asked him, said, who are you arguing with every oh night? goodness. Himself. <laughs> he would make up women's voices, children's voices, his voice. They then gave me five pound Tesco vouchers every single week. I couldn't go a penny under and I couldn't go a penny over. And, in and fact, that's what you had to live off? That's what I had to live off. So how did you feed yourself? Bread, noodles and tuna. That's it. That and it. how long did this come for? This was almost for like almost a year. And were you Nine going to college? To at well, at that or? point, no. no. No, no, no. I couldn't. Couldn't go back. Completely embarrassed. Hey, you had nothing. Yeah, totally. No money. For, no money for, for, for travel, books, nothing, nothing, nothing. 16 plus services then started to sort out travel for me. So I'd have to go there every week and collect. Get a card you know, the and be able cards. to travel. Absolutely. Done all of that. Um, went back to college, completed college, you know, which was really hard, but I had, to, it was something that I knew that I had to do. Any contact with your family? Not no. your siblings or anything? No, like they were too small. They were too young. Are they know. quite a lot younger than you? They are. So I had no contact with anyone. Story with dad is a whole different story, right? Just less, you know, he's like a, <laughs> like another chapter. Put a pin in it, in into our podcast. Right, so, you we know. We can leave him. Um, but then I met my partner. How did you meet? We met through my cousin. And in fact, I had known him for quite a few years previous anyway. Um, and he definitely couldn't help. He was like, listen, 
he's Muslim. He was like, my mom and dad is going to go nuts if... I'm seeing someone that isn't Muslim. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And from a broken home on top of that, like that was like not someone allowed. that's been kicked out and someone who's lived this life. Absolutely not. Anyway, fast forward, got into a relationship with him and we, you know, we were together for a long time. Um, and then I fell pregnant with my son, my firstborn. And then that's how the story of how my life started to change from that moment on in having my firstborn child who was then very sick in Great Ormond Street for a number of months and going from that to then going through bouts of depression because of what had happened to my child and being 18 at the time and trying to, you know, just work through that on my own, no parents. His parents are there, fine, but they're not mine. And that was difficult. That was really, really hard to be able to go through all of that. But I did. And then started my midwifery career. And I said, you know what? I've had this Because of that first experience? Absolutely. And it was a bad birth? It wasn't a bad birth, but after the illness that he had, him being in there for so many weeks and not not being able to come home with your child and, you know, all of that really, really you know, made me have a really good insight into midwifery and what it looks like in the postnatal care and all of that. And being a young mum, so there, you know, it wasn't difficult in the sense I had a difficult pregnancy. I had a difficult pregnancy because of midwives and their perception of me and their assumptions of me. That's what was difficult. And so I decided to take that on and go into NHS. And that's kind of where the NHS career comes from. And you became a midwife? I became a midwife practiced for a few years and decided that actually being a midwife is not something I can do with a young child. So I left that alone. I went into breastfeeding consultancy. So actually, when I think about my journey and my story, every single hardship that I had gone through and every single door that I walked through was just an opening to another door that was just about to be something bigger and something greater. But that's how you've interpreted it. So that is credit to you because lots of people can take the adversity and, and excuse me, but the shit that's happened and blame everybody else. Absolutely. But you took yourself up off the floor and took it as an opportunity and rode the wave. Absolutely. So as hard as it was, so you make it sound really simple, right? No, 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 no. (laughs) I'm looking, I'm looking at you in the eye, like it blows my mind. So for me, my background was in criminal law and dealing with people that have been kicked out, homeless, mm-hmm. offending, mm-hmm. in a bad cycle. So mm-hmm. I dealt with all the hostels, getting them into hostels, yeah. that leaving them sleep homeless or trying mm-hmm. to find somewhere that would take them, the judgment, the whatever. Yeah. Like, it's so hard. Absolutely. And you know what? I <laughs> think I did take it through. to your advantage. Absolutely. But before I even took it to my advantage, it was definitely something that I had victim mindset over. Like, why me? So what made you change? Because people have a huge thing that you can't change or want someone else to change them. What made me change was my faith. Okay. Because my new faith was telling me that with every bad experience there's ease right around the corner. And so I had no reason, I had nothing else to hold on to apart from my faith and the positivity that my faith was giving me at the time. That's where the change came from. Because before that time, I suffered from victim mindset so much. I blamed everyone and everything around me. But it's hard not to when you're in that situation. I don't think anybody else would do anything Absolutely. Different. And I took it out on my husband. We've been married for almost 20 years now. I took it out on him really, really badly. But one thing that I promised myself was 
that even if this was going to be my story, and it's not the most glamorous story, when I'm looking back and I'm having flashbacks at everything, definitely could have been worse. I could have suffered like a lot of the young girls around that time, sexual abuse or, you know, just being out on the streets and being very unsafe. You know, recently I was listening to a podcast and on that podcast, you know, he said that, you know, every great person goes through shit. They go through something that makes them great. I have this expression that you learn the most from the shittiest experiences. Absolutely. And the best ideas are but born I, out of pain. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I like that. I'm going to have to have that yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. And that's my strong belief. Do you, do you have any kind of relationship with your mum now? The relationship with mum at the moment is very... At the moment, she just wants nothing to do with me, if I'm going to be completely honest. Nothing to do with me. Have you ever, since she chucked you out at 16? Yeah, 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 I have. I've suffered emotional abuse. I've suffered coercive control abuse from my mum. You know, even though she's put me through so much, it's not within me to then turn around and be like, oh, F you, mum, or can't do that. That's my mum, you know? Um, So it makes it difficult. So there is a lot of emotional abuse that had gone on. I had a lot of childhood bullying that had went on. And I think when she decided to cut me off, it was literally like weight off my shoulders because actually with every single word that was uttered to me that was horrible in front of my children, the attacks that were coming, verbal attacks that were coming at me for no reason, my mind just couldn't take it no more. So when she said, I don't want nothing to do with you, I was like, okay, maybe this is the time actually I need to stand on my own two feet and just accept the fact that I don't have the best family. It blows my mind. I'm a mum. Like, I cannot comprehend ever no matter what your mm-hmm. child does yeah yeah I leaving you you yeah. like you're close to your like you've come from a really close yeah, family. yeah. no matter what mm-hmm. but I do know it happens I I siblings I get well but, one of my friends parent, one of my friends grew up he's his mum is Irish and he grew up in a council flat in the middle of London Mm -hmm. with his three sisters. So it was him, his three sisters and his elder brother and his Mm -hmm. mum, and they had a two bed flat. Mm -hmm. So his sisters would be in with the mum and the two boys had the other bedroom. Mm -hmm. And when he was 16, his mum threw him out, Mm -hmm. but not because, you know, I've had enough of you, I'm throwing you out, but because it was the only way to get him a council flat. Yeah. And at 16, he was put in a council flat the other side of London. Gosh. And he had to do swaps of council flats to try and get back to his mum because oh, he, gosh. you know, really missed his mum yeah. and his family because he was still a kid. Of course. And, you know, I can see throwing a child out because you think it's in their best interest because they're going to get a flat. Yeah. But uh, whatever you've done, yeah. it really doesn't matter whether you've done anything or not mm-hmm. done anything, mm-hmm. to throw out a 16-year-old and say, right, that's it, get out of my house, yeah. is unforgivable as Absolutely. far as I'm concerned. I would never think about doing that to my children. Never. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Hoori clock, hoori clock, the one-stop shop for all your legal and accounting needs. If you're in the UK or overseas, Stop shop for all your legal and accounting needs. If your company's big or small, they can help you all. Straight talking financial advice since 1935. And that was the amazing Christopher Reese. Big up Chris. Spell R-E-E-S. At this point, let me quickly remind you to look him up and start following and listening to all his music because he's amazing. And maybe when you're doing that, 
Go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and click follow so you never miss an episode. But mainly, go and check his shit out. Now, back to the chat. So we're talking about learning through screw-ups. What would you say is your biggest fuck-up to date? And what have you learned from it? My biggest one today, and you know, when I read this question before and I was like thinking, okay, what am I going to say? Do I, do I want to be completely honest? Yes. Or do I want to come yeah. and just give you like a filtered version like of what a, it would you know, be? No, what, we'll sift it out. We'll like sift in it interviews out. when you get asked what I your um, worst thing is. My biggest F up was becoming the abuser to the people around me because that's all I had learned. And because of that, it created years of just being unsure of who I was and just being completely broken down by it. So I spent from 18 to like 22, 23, 24 being this horrible person that I knew that I wasn't. But because of the learnt behaviour, that's who I was. Were you unhappy when that was going on? Absolutely. But you couldn't break out of it? I couldn't break out of it and I couldn't stop. So how did you break out of it in the end? I broke out of it because I went to go and get help. I just couldn't take it. It was doing my head in so much that I would dream about apologising to people. That when I get in front of them, I'm like, yeah, I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, did you think that you had? I actually felt like, all right, Jennifer, like you've, you've, you've dreamt about it. It's cool. I'm going to go there. I'm just going to be ballsy. I'm just going to look them in the eye and be like, do you know what? I'm sorry. I'm this. And I get there and I'll freeze. And they'll be like, so would you call me in front? I'm like, yeah, I just don't know why. <laughs> you know? And for years, it really ate at me because I knew that I wanted to be something different. I knew I wanted to be better. But how to be better and how to be different, I thought I could navigate myself, but I couldn't navigate myself. So I needed the help and I got the help. So yeah, that would be like the biggest F up in life because I didn't like being on the end of being abused. And when I mean abused, I mean physically abused or, you know, verbally abused. And then... But you'll know that's the common cycle. So if you've been abused, you go on to abuse. And it's very, very hard to ever break that. Mm -hmm. But when you're in that So you get another gold star for me. (laughs) (laughs) Self-awareness apart from anything else. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to be one of those people like, I'm going to go, go listen to this because this lady did it. So therefore yeah, you absolutely. must be able and I say to. it all the time. I say it all the time. You know, when I sit down and I hear people, they're like, oh, I can't do it. I'm like, okay, hold on a minute. I get that things are tough and I get that things are hard and I, I completely get it. I will never, ever invalidate your feelings over it. But what makes me different to everybody else is because I actually got up and I went to go and do something about it. For me, there's one thing talking about it and there's one thing doing it. And they're completely different. So we can do all the talking in the world, which is absolutely valid. You need to get over it. You need to talk it out. Let's do all of that. But then what's the solution to all that talking? Is the doing. So what are we doing to support the talking? And from taking action to deal with her life's adversities, Jennifer has gone on to become the founder of Sisters in Business, which aims to support women from all walks of life on their entrepreneurial journey. And to date, Sisters in Business has held over 30 networking brunches with over 1,500 women of all races and religions walking through the doors and has become a safe space for women to network, collaborate and be inspired. Jennifer is a firm believer that female entrepreneurs can be successful without compromising their values, beliefs or family and community roles. 
So there you have it. That was this week's episode of BWB Extra. Thank you to Jennifer for joining us. A big thank you to you, dear listener, and we'll be back with a new episode next week. In the meantime, please rate and review us on Apple, follow us on Spotify, and come say hi on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, at bizwithoutbs. Until next time, it's goodbye.